Welcome to AACS Today, the official podcast of the American Association of Christian Schools. Thank you for joining us on this episode of AACS Today. I'm Matt Tiscus, your host and regional director for the Mid-South region of the AACS. On today's podcast, we're going to be looking at one school's re-entry plan for the 2021 school year. It's a fabulous document, and we will be linking a sample document in the show notes. So spoiler alert, you can see the document that the school used. And if you want to grab that document as you listen to the podcast, you might want to do that right now. But before we walk through the document and introduce our guest, we are winding down to the end of what we're calling season one of the podcast. We have just a few more episodes planned for season one, but summer break is just about upon us. And it's going to be a good time for us to evaluate how to best serve you with this podcast going forward. And we'd love to get your feedback to that end. Or send some feedback to info at aacs.org. If you would send it there, let us know uh, some topics you'd like to hear. Or uh, your feedback in general on the podcast, that would be helpful. Now, don't worry if anything urgent or pressing arises over the summer, especially especially as it relates to COVID-19 because that was part of the original reason we started the podcast, we will certainly record a new episode to share with you. And of course, we'll be keeping a close eye on legislation and things that happen in that arena, because that is obviously very important. But enough about that. Let's get to the reentry plan and our guest for today. And that's Patty Catuto from Victory Baptist Academy in Weatherford, Texas. So Patty, I know you've been a guest on a past episode, but please help our listeners get to know you a little bit better. Well, I'm originally from Chicago, and now I am in Weatherford, Texas, and I have been here since January of 1994, so at the same ministry, serving alongside my husband, who uh, was the youth pastor, and then he transitioned to assistant pastor, Uh, so I've worked with youth, young people, uh, basically since I graduated college, and it's been a a great experience. Uh, We were able to start a school here at our church in 2007, and I've served at the school in some capacity uh, since its inception. Uh, For the last year, I have been in an administrative position at the school, and of course, we've been hit with uh, COVID-19, which has presented a whole set of new challenges. And so that's where, obviously, a lot of my focus has been over the last few months, as I'm sure is the same for many of our schools and administrators out there that will be listening today. So let's jump right in then to the re-entry plan. Kind of give us a big picture, kind of a 30,000-foot view uh, without getting into the specifics just yet because we will walk through kind of each each section specifically. But tell us what the re-entry plan is. Sure. I think the overwhelming question that we were receiving from parents is, what is school going to look like next year? And so there was a definite need for us to address what our plans were going to be for the 2020-2021, that's a mouthful, uh, school year. Uh, And so what it was going to look like. Uh, And for us as a school, it was important for us to go through the process of thinking through, okay, what do we want school to look like next year? Uh, while COVID has its, ch- its challenges, it did present a good opportunity for you to kind of reset a little bit. And if there were things you wanted to change, this is a time to do it. Uh, and things you wanted to implement, this is, this is it. This is like the best time to do certain things. And so I, we needed a big, like, like you're saying, a big picture view 
of, of what we wanted, of what VBA was going to look like next year. Still reassuring our parents uh, and reassuring our staff, our faculty and staff, uh, that we were going to do everything that we can uh, to maintain school as normal within within whatever limits we are given. And so that's the purpose of the reentry plan, so that parents could look at this plan and say, okay, so if this happens, uh, I know that the school is going to do this. And just laid it out so that they could make an informed decision about next school year. I'm sure a lot of schools are facing uh, enrollment challenges with this upcoming school year, and we're not exempt from that either. And so it was important for us to make sure that we polled our parents. You know, you re-enrolled back in February. How are you feeling about coming to school now? Uh, and then to, with alongside that, to give this re-entry plan to kind of answer some questions, settle some fears, and just put those things to rest so that our parents can make an informed decision. So the document right near the beginning mentions a task force, and that's something that we had recommended on a on a early podcast, an earlier podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, who, maybe not specific names, but uh, sure. who's on that task force? What kind of feedback did they give and provide for the process? Sure. Uh, it and the reason we formed a task force is because it was one of the recommendations by AACS. I thought, oh, that's a great idea. Uh, we need to get a group of people together that have. VBA's best interest at heart that can give us feedback, do some research, help us out with moving forward. Even before we came up with the idea of a reentry plan, we were like well on our way to establishing some type of task force for our school. So our task force, of course, includes, it's myself, our, our head of school, our administrator. It includes a teacher. It includes a parent. And then it also includes our uh, regional AACS representative. And for that reason, that was our accrediting agency here in the state of Texas, uh, AACS. So we thought that it was important for us to include them so that we can get our feedback, their feedback on what we were doing as well. Hmm. I wonder who that representative is. Yes, I wonder who. Anyway, um, <laughs> what type of uh, feedback have you received from uh, parents or others now that it's kind of out in the wild? Sure. Uh, overwhelmingly, the the feedback has been positive. I, I feel like it really did reassure a lot of parents of what we were planning. Uh, even some parents who hadn't responded to the survey uh, that we initially sent out without the reentry plan, once we sent the reentry plan, uh, they responded that yes, uh, they were planning on coming back to school. Uh, basically, they're keeping their plans from February. Uh, so that was. Uh, that was really encouraging to see that it did kind of impact positively some families in their decision-making. But we have received um, minimal uh, negative feedback as well. And I think that comes with any plan. Not everyone's going to agree with every decision that you are making. And the negative feedback specifically comes with uh, some of the implementation, some of the changes that we're putting into place just to protect our students. And so we can get into that later and I, I can kind of address that further as we get to those things. But that's where a lot of, or not a lot, but the negative feedback that we did receive, that's what it's dealing with. And uh, like I said, we can address that when we get to that particular page. Yeah, that sounds good. Let's walk through the document then kind of sure. section by section. So page two contains a flow chart with yes and no questions. And it, it's there where it kind of presents uh, the re-entry options. So 
Um, I don't necessarily want us to like read through word for word the document. Of course, people can do that, but kind of give us the gist of what that flowchart looks like. The flowchart basically presents that if if the state we live in Texas, so if the state of Texas reopens as normal, allows schools to reopen as normal, that we are opening regular school meeting on campus. That is our plan, and so it very clearly the flowchart lays that out very clearly, so that parents can then make a decision. Uh, but it also allows them an option. We do realize that some parents are still not comfortable with their children being in a group setting. Uh, so it gave an additional option of continuing in what we called our VBA mobile program, which is what we used during the COVID emergency. It's what we launched for our learning platform and what our students finished out the school year with. So if they have their little uh, leery about coming back on campus or they're just not sure, they can request to be a part of VBA mobile for the school year. Okay, so page three of, of the document then kind of dives into option one, which is the on-campus learning. Uh, but it does seem uh, that there are, you know, are going to be a few changes that you're implementing related yes. to on-campus learning. So what are some of those? And again, we say potential changes because we're mm-hmm. still pretty early uh, in the process. But what are some things that you highlighted? Uh, some potential changes that we're anticipating is we're anticipating some changes with athletics. Uh, of course, that will be determined by the league that we're in. But we do realize that there are probably going to be some changes to athletics, some that are within our control and some that are out of our control. For instance, when our students play away games, I'm not sure what another school, what, what type of guidelines they may have in place. They may not allow um, all of our fans to come. There may right. be a limit to what their gymnasium can hold. So I just wanted our parents to kind of start thinking that through, uh, that there could be changes coming to the way athletics would be running, maybe the way we have to transport our athletes, uh, even the way practices are held. I, I, I don't even know. Uh, but I just wanted to put out there that there could be these changes. Uh, some changes with elective choices. Uh, as I read through the guidelines for summer school here in the state of Texas put, put out by the TEA, already one of the things that they said was that there could be no choir. And that would be uh, sad for our school to not be able to have choir, even playing certain types of instruments. Um, and I'm not sure that that will trickle down to us, uh, but there could be changes in what elective choices that we're allowed or that we feel comfortable offering and that our students are comfortable taking. And in the way that we uh, teach those elective choices, there also may be some changes. After school activities might look a little different. Uh, just the way that we meet and gather together as a student body will probably look very different next year than what it has in the past. Yeah. And one other thing that, you know, is difficult to mention too. Um, but you know, we may ask parents or you may ask parents to not walk their students into uh, class, you know, long-term, sure. maybe, maybe on the first day of school or something, that's an option. But um, right. again, you're, you're trying to limit access to the buildings um, so that's that's a real challenge and, and kind of a, a sad thing to think about, I'm sure, for some of our some parents, right? It is. It is. And that is uh, some of the feedback that we did receive from a, a parent. She's going to be new to our school this year and she has a uh, 
I can't remember if it's kindergarten or pre-K, but this is her the first year her child is going to school. So the thing she is looking forward to is walking her child into class for that first day of school. Uh, and so, yes, one of the things that we have definitely considered is limiting uh, parents walking into school and that type of thing. Uh, so we're looking at that, at least for the first day of school. What can we do to accommodate parents' needs on that first day of school and yet still maintain uh, the health and safety of our campus? That may be a staggered start that first day of school mm -hmm. uh, so that we can uh, allow for just that flow of traffic to be a little bit different. And I think those things are easy to accommodate. It just takes some planning. And it's also very important, I think, for us as schools to do everything that we can to meet the needs of our parents um, at this time. And so uh, if we're able to do that, that's what we're looking at being able to do. Uh, I think that would be great for those that, parents to have that for that first day of school. Yeah. And what an interesting insight for one of the reasons a parent chose a, it, it a, really a, private, was. a private school, maybe not something, maybe not something uh, we would have thought of. Uh, so yeah, that, know, that bit of feedback was completely unexpected, but I was so thankful that she did bring it to our attention and not just say, well, I'm not going to that. I'm not going to go to school there. Yeah. She voiced what her concern was, and it's something I never even thought about, didn't even cross my mind. Uh, and so I was thankful that she let us know, and I was able to respond to that. And uh, I got positive feedback from her then based on the response that I gave her about, hey, I, I think that we can work this out. We don't yeah. want you to miss out on that first day of school either. So uh, it's it's just it's interesting. And, uh, you know, things that make sense to us as administrators are, do not always make sense to the parents. So sure. it's good to have their feedback and to incorporate what we can. Sure. So of course the possibility exists that on-campus learning is going to be interrupted. So I think that's a good segue to the second option, which is what mm -hmm. you call VBA mobile. Uh, so sure. VBA mobile is kind of a blended learning model. So obviously if on-campus learning is, is interrupted due to the pandemic, you transition to, to VBA mobile for the on-campus students, but you're actually leaving this option open for students who may not be comfor comfortable returning to school. So what does that look like? Uh, we are. And so it it is going to look a little different than what it did during the COVID pandemic. And so what we're looking for, for in the COVID pandemic, there were a lot of things that we just did out of the sake of, okay, this is what we have to do. Right. Uh, and we just need to get this is this is our option. We have to do this. Uh, so we're we're exploring the options right now. We're just, we're still working on okay, what is exactly? But this would probably include uh, teachers having some type of either an iPad or something that they'll just have set up in their classroom. And as they are teaching uh, their math class, they'll just hit record. The student at home will log in be a part of the class. They can hear what the teacher is then teaching. And then when it comes time to work independently, uh, they can leave the class for that moment. They can leave the video and they can work on the class independently. So that's the thought behind uh, what this is. Uh, basically, you know, they're to log in for the live classes when necessary. And of course, that will be on a case by case, teacher by teacher uh, type of situation. Uh, and then uh, they'll have time to work independently on their own, on the assignments given, but basically staying right with the class. So if at some point, say second semester, uh, the parents feel more comfortable or the student is ready, uh, they can easily transition back into the classroom uh, so that they can be a part of uh, that experience. 
So that's kind of what we've chosen. Of course, if we do have those interruptions due to a confirmed case on campus or something like that, then this is what every student will be doing. Uh, they'll be using VBA mobile. So that's kind of the plan that we have in place right now. And uh, there's a few caveats with VBA mobile mm-hmm. that you communicate in the document. So share what those are because, you know, not necessarily every student might, might not be a great fit for VBA mobile. You're right. It, it is uh, independent learning is not for every student. So we have a statement at the very top of this page that talks about candidacy for VBA mobile. If you want to choose this as a full-time option. So if you want to choose it as a full-time option, uh, basically you need to be approved by the administration. You have to be in good academic standing. And if you're an older student, your parents have to agree that this is the best option for you. It's, I think it's also a good choice for students who maybe do have some underlying health issues uh, and things like that, and so that we can still keep those students as a part of our community. Uh, but there are, they would need to have a recommendation from their teacher. Yes, the student is a good candidate. Uh, but that's kind of, we have that statement up there so that parents understand that this is not for every student. And I think after the last couple of months, every parent knows whether or not their student is a good candidate for VBA mobile based on some of the feedback that we have received. What about the teachers? Are teachers good candidates? To t- just kidding. Just kidding. Ah, good one. <laughs> so that's, that's good. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and you have to say also that, you know, some electives may not be uh, right. available. There are not only do they have to meet the candidacy requirements, but there are certain things that the parents are agreeing to if they choose this blended learning model. Uh, first off, as you mentioned, certain courses may not be available. Uh, maybe like art class just might not be something that we're able to offer uh, to our students. Uh, some of the upper level sciences are probably best not taught through a uh, mobile learning environment. And so we just wanted them to be aware that not everything is necessarily going to be available through VBA mobile. As a parent, you are agreeing to have your student at those live classes. And this is a little different than what we offered during the COVID emergency. Most of our secondary courses especially were recorded and the students didn't necessarily have to log on at a certain time. They could watch them at their convenience. But that's not how we're gonna proceed if you choose this as a full-time option. You will need to be, if math class starts at 9.50, you need to be logged in and ready to go at 9.50. So parents are agreeing uh, to monitor that and help with that and make sure that their student is logged in and it's during normal school hours. And then lastly, parents would agree to serve as proctors uh, for different tests, quizzes, things that need to be administered. So they're agreeing to do that and of course, upholding uh, standards of honesty and all those types of things. So they have to help us out with that process. Yeah, that's good. All right, let's move on then. Page five sure. shares the digital platforms. Mm-hmm. Uh, that the school plans uh, to use. And, you know, looking over that, um, there are some uh, additions to the platforms from what was used at the end of this last school year. So kind of walk us through, you know, not too in depth here, but just kind of walk us through the thinking behind some of the choices that were made. We were already in the process of changing our student information system from uh, a certain system. And now we're changing to facts And so we're in the process of that. So that's new for our parents. So we wanted to go ahead and let them know there's going to be a new student information system. So where they 
log on to see their students' grades, buy lunch, all those things are going to be new for our parents. But one of the beautiful things about the system that we're using is that Google Classroom integrates with that. And our parents have become accustomed and our students are accustomed to Google Classroom. So now it's just a one-stop shop. They'll just log into their fax account, their Google Classroom will be there, and they will be set up. That's for our students in grades three through 12. Mm -hmm. We're going to be implementing a new system that's brand new, again, uh, to our uh, students and our teachers for our lower elementary. So our pre-K through second grade are going to be using a platform called Seesaw. Uh, I I was in a class this summer uh, that helped you redesign your school plan for the upcoming school year. And so it was really great to be with a number of administrators from schools all really all across the United States, not just here in Texas, and to hear the things that worked for them, be able to look at some of those options, process that. And so Seesaw was one of those things that came up so often as a great platform for lower elementary. And some of the students, like I watched a little video about it, they describe it as uh, Facebook for kids. And it's all protected. It's all private. But the students in the lower grades are then able to upload pictures and just even other work. And they're basically building a digital portfolio. And it is a great uh, thing for the, the parents love it. The, the teachers, some of the teachers have used it on their own. They really love it. And so we're going to institute this school-wide for our lower elementary. Uh, we've become experts, if you will, at Google Meets uh, <laughs> due to necessity. And so we're continuing that uh, as well. We'll be using that for instruction if we do have any of the interruptions in our school year. And Zoom has some options that are just not available on Google Meet right now. And so we use that for like our chapel and that type of thing. We use it during COVID. And so we just wanted to leave that as a possible option as well as something we might be using next school year. Yeah. So the last page then kind of returns us back to the physical campus and some strategies that the school is employing on the physical campus. I think the assumption is that most families are going to want to return to the physical campus. Has that been the feedback that you're, you're hearing so far? Yes, that is overwhelmingly the feedback. Parents want their students to be on campus. Uh, the responses of to, even to the idea of a blended learning kind of option or staying at home uh, has been very minimal, but I'm, I'm still thankful that we put that option out there. Uh, so that we can retain those families and keep them as a part of our community. Uh, but yes, parents definitely want to have their students on campus. And so coming on campus this next school year uh, does propose a number of challenges, I believe, for, for any school uh, dealing with what we're dealing with, with the COVID crisis. But not only that, we were hit especially hard by the flu last year. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of these things that we're instituting uh, I think we'll help cut down on uh, our, our flu that we've had in previous years. We had a closed school for a number of days just due to the number of students we had absent due to flu. Uh, so there are some different changes uh, coming for our campus and for our parents. And I think uh, for the most part, they're okay with it. Uh, I think there'll be uh, some feedback as we actually get into the process of doing some of these things. Do you want me to start going through what they are? Yeah, I mean, we kind of okay. touched we kind of touched on mm-hmm. one a little bit earlier with sure. um, 
with visitors or even parents, you know, coming, mm-hmm. coming onto campus. And of course that could impact, I'm assuming, uh, lunch yes. and, and, and other, mm-hmm. other times of the day. Yes. And, and that was, as I, as I thought through this process and, you know, put it out there for our task force to kind of look over and, and get their feedback. Uh, I, I know that lunch is going to be one of the big things. And so we haven't necessarily said what the changes are going to be, but we said that changes are coming. So changes to campus access for visitors and parents uh, that may look like not coming on campus for lunch and eating with your student, or we may only be having certain days of the week when we would want that to take place where maybe we can spread out a little more than what we do on a normal day. Uh, but we do anticipate uh, changes to the number of people actually coming into the school campus. And I don't know then, if that answers your question. No, no, it does. Okay. Of, of course you got your typical hand sanitizing and washing mm-hmm. of hands. Um, yes. you know, there's some temperature checks that, that could be required. Right. Um, and I think we're seeing that at, at more uh, businesses um, capacity yes. for classrooms. Uh, I'm right. Kind of looking. So at one of the things, one of the things that we're doing, at least for classrooms, is uh, part of our checkout this year for our teachers is not only did they have a normal end of year checkout, but we instituted what was called COVID nineteen checkout, and it required them to remove really most of the items in their classrooms. This was extremely difficult. For some of our teachers because they have a large number of manipulatives and just different things that they like to have access to during the day and I sympathize because I've been a teacher for years right I have an accumulated many things myself uh, so I understand how difficult that was but it was necessary and the reason that we did that is so that we could do everything that we can within that classroom to give as much distance between the desks as we possibly can. So now the classrooms are uh, very sparse as far as extra things in the classroom. We limited it to basically like a bookcase um, and like one other storage item. And that's pretty much all that's in our classrooms, right? Besides desks and the teacher desk so that we can kind of spread out. We have considered with some of our classes that are a little bit larger, actually, uh, connecting two classrooms together, cutting a temporary hole or walkway between those two classrooms, maybe the size of two double doors so that the students can spread out. The teacher can kind of be in the middle and we can give appropriate amount of space for the number of students that we have in each class. So those are some of the changes um, to the physical campus that we're considering. I, I heard one of my colleagues share something yesterday that I thought was good that schools might want to think about. And that was mm-hmm. when you're thinking about the, the whole six feet, six foot, mm-hmm. I'm not, not going to say rule, but six foot spacing, if you will, um, make sure you're thinking in terms of three, three feet um, for each student. So you're not ending up, you know, if you did six for each student, right. you're ending up with 12 feet of space. Right. Just, you need six feet. So that really that's, that's three feet per Student, mm-hmm. I thought I thought that was good because he had he had looked at, you know, a diagram that that a teacher had presented and it ended up being twelve feet and, and the teacher didn't realize it. So you know we, we don't want right. our schools to end up trying to do something impractical. Let's put it this way: even more impractical than right. uh, trying to keep uh, 
you know, the social distancing between the students. So and I think um, that's important to note that that's also a recommendation. It's not anything that's currently required. True. Um, we're doing everything that we can to uh, accommodate as many of the recommendations that were given, but with the full understanding that there's probably no way that we can incorporate everything uh, that has been asked of certain schools. Yeah. And you're looking at, I'm assuming you're, you're discussing the CDC document that I'm sure, sure most school yes. leaders are familiar with by now. And I think there's an important <laughs> phrase in there, which is where feasible. Right. Um, the document uses that, you know, quite often. So again, we'll see what comes out. I mean, your state and your local health department mm-hmm. may issue um, additional or separate guidelines. So that's, that's mm-hmm. where it begins to be tricky. You know, we're, we're not giving uh, specific recommendations for your state, but just some food for thought. Right. And uh, I think the good thing about this plan is that it just communicates that the school has uh, spent uh, a good amount of time planning and preparing and that regardless of the situation that comes up due to COVID, there is a plan school will happen. And uh, you know, we trust that, some of these changes are not not going to necessarily have to be permanent, um, but for the time being, this allows us to continue uh, fulfilling our mission and serving our families. And so, um, again, the plan is going to be uh, linked for you in the show notes. I think the one that we'll have up, we'll talk about uh, sample Christian school, so you could adjust the plan accordingly for uh, your school. And of course, I think it's it's good to mention too that. The, the plan that you all developed, um, we we had looked at, or you had looked at a plan that another school had put together. And yes. uh, there's certainly nothing wrong with taking what other schools have done and are doing along these lines. I mean, this is new for all of us. And when you find a good resource, um, it's there's no need to reinvent the wheel, tweak it for what works for you. You know, obviously, mm-hmm. as long as nothing's copy, copyright or anything like that, which in this right. case, things aren't. So uh, anyway, thanks for sharing this. I think this is good information for our schools to consider. Any any final things you would add in about it as we kind of wind it down here? Just, uh, I think I would say to administrators, and I'm sure you're, you're doing this already, uh, but just it's been a reminder for me to keep your eyes on the Lord uh, as we go through this. Uh, there's no way, and I'm sure all of you know this, that we can keep everybody happy with every decision uh, that is made. But I think that if we keep our eyes on on the Lord and what he would have us to do as we move forward, not only uh, in the decisions that we're making, but just following what the Holy Spirit is leading us to do and getting advice uh, from those that are close to us and doing the proper research, uh, that's what the Lord asks of us. And so I think that's been uh, my mindset as I've worked on a lot of things and uh, you hear a lot of feedback. It's just, I have really had to keep my eyes focused on him uh, during this time with a different set of challenges. Well, that's, that's good advice. And as, as we wrap things up here, uh, you know, take, take this resource and put it to work at your school if, if you find it beneficial, but I want to encourage you to communicate to your families mm-hmm. that you have a plan. Communication is is so important. And sometimes when we, we, we fail to communicate or we don't communicate with enough in enough time, um, that is sending a message. And so, uh, communication, my, my good friend, Scott Barron often says that communication is not just about communicating information, but it's about building, building trust as well. 
and, and deepening relationships. And so I think that's important to remember that uh, there's a lot of uncertainty out there and this plan could certainly change, right? We know in the next couple of months, we don't know what's going to happen, but it gives us something good to work off of and something uh, that I think will be very helpful. So uh, Patty, thanks for joining us and thanks for sharing. And I want to thank our listeners uh, for listening to, to this podcast. And as we wind down uh, season one, again, let me remind you, share your feedback with us. Send us an email to info at aacs.org and let us know um, how we could best serve you through this podcast because ultimately that's what we want to do. We want to share ideas. Uh, we want to dive into philosophical things, but we want to give practical things too. And I think this is one of those very practical things that you can use. So have a great day, a great week, whenever you listen to this podcast. And uh, if we can serve you further, don't hesitate to reach out. God bless. God bless.